With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. HN Podcast, I'm John Miller along with Steve Dace. Closer and closer to football season, a couple of weeks away now. And uh, the BTN crew in Iowa City today as we record this. So you'll be able to see that by the time this probably comes out. So a lot of fun with the pigskin flying, Steve. And also today as we release this podcast, the AP poll, the preseason uh, AP poll came out. And we always like to look at a few trends because there are some fun ones that seemingly every year they rise up and show themselves. Otherwise, they wouldn't be trends. So which ones do you want to hone in on today? Well, John, let's begin with this is the AP preseason top 10. Just came out, right? Alabama's number one. Clemson is number two. By the way, Clemson is trying for an eighth year in a row to finish better than its preseason AP ranking. So if it wins the national championship, Dabo Sweeney would have accomplished this eight years in a row. That's incredible. That is incredible. Georgia's third. So this is what I predicted the top 10 would be yesterday. This is where we see deviation. I didn't think Ohio State would be in the top four because of the Meyer situation. I thought Washington would be. Wisconsin is number four. Ohio State is five. Washington is six. Oklahoma, seven. Miami, eight. Auburn, nine. Penn State is 10. Okay. Elsewhere, elsewhere in the Big Ten, for people that are just curious, Michigan State's 11. Michigan is 14. And um, among others receiving votes, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34. Northwestern's 35. Mm. Iowa State is 36th. 37, 38, 39. Iowa is 40th. Okay? So a couple of trends here. The last seven years in a row, on average, 1.5 teams in the AP preseason top 10 did not finish the season ranked. All right. So who do you believe among these 10 teams? 1.5 would be give me two candidates. So that's 11 teams in seven years. It's about a team and a half. Give me two candidates you think are the most likely to not finish the season unranked on this list. I just tweeted my two. So I'm on the record. All right? I, have, so I, have not, I have not seen yours. Yep. So I'm not copying yours. I want to know who you would have. Well, I don't necessarily like any of them, frankly, but since I have to pick two, uh, I'll go Penn State and Auburn. All right. Why, we have one team that's the same. Tell me why you picked Penn State, and then tell me why you picked Auburn. Penn State returned three defensive starters. Blues, uh, one of the most dynamic players in the history of the Big Ten, or at least to the to last 25 years of the Big Ten, Saquon Barkley. Mike Gusecki is tied in. I think this team, even though some people are feeling that their offensive line is better than it has been, and we know that last year it still wasn't great, um, I think it's going to rely solely on the arm of Trace McSorley. I think the losses of Barkley, Gusecki, and all that talent on defense – um, I think this is a team that will be eight and four at the end of the regular season. And eight and four, um, I guess if you're Iowa at eight and four, you're not in the top 25. If you're Penn State in an eight and four, you might get in the top 25 because of a mm-hmm. the blue bud bump. But that's why. 
Um, and as it relates to Auburn, I, I just look at the strength of that league, and I, I, I think Miami is not going to fall out because of the inverse of what I just said, the lack of strength of the ACC and balance that I see. I think Oklahoma, um, that was tantalizing because of quarterback, but that's that, that's just it. I, th- I think the SEC is very, very strong. Penn State's in the strongest division in football, so those are my two. Well, picking two teams from what everybody thinks are the two best divisions in college football is is a pretty good bet. And I think Penn State, correct me if I'm wrong, I think they've lost two more starters to injuries. For the uh, No, I'm sorry. They lost their backup quarterback, Tommy Stevens. We don't know how long he's out. And they lost one of their defensive line starters for the season. So they've lost uh, another defensive starter here in preseason camp. I, I didn't have Penn State because their schedule is so soft overall. Well, yeah. let me rephrase that. I remember their we sch- talked their, about that. Their schedule is as soft as you could get being in that division. It's still hard. Okay, don't get me wrong. But in the division they're playing in, they could not have asked for much. They just get some home teams. Yes. But that road game at Pitt early in the year, I'm telling you, they need to watch out for that. But I have Auburn, and I go back to my trend stat that I had a a couple of months ago on the podcast. They haven't had back-to-back double-digit win seasons at Auburn since the late 80s. On average, since 1993, Auburn's record declines by four games the year after they win double-digit games. Hmm. Okay, So I like a lot of their personnel, but every game that matters most on their schedule, Mississippi State, Washington, Georgia, and Alabama, every one of those games that matters most on their schedule isn't played at Jordan-Hare this year. So I'm concerned about that. The other team I had actually was Oklahoma. And the reason why I had Oklahoma as the other one I thought was the most likely is the overall parity in the Big 12. They're not great defensively. Uh, I think we forget how great Baker Mayfield was last year. Um, Even though we knew he was great, we forget they had several close games. I mean, he bailed them out against Texas. He bailed them out um, against um, Kansas State. Uh, I'm I'm concerned about, let's say Oklahoma is 8-2. And they're out of the national championship race. Yeah, sure. You really think Kyler Murray is going to be giving his body up 15 times, right. running the zone read? Know what right. I'm saying? Right, right. Okay. Yeah. Maybe he is if they're nine and one or ten and zero, oh, but I don't. I don't think he is if they're eight and two or something like that. And then remember Oklahoma's trend line. Prior to the arrival of Baker Mayfield, Oklahoma was always the team. That if you rated them high, they weren't good, right? That was the knock on Bob Stoops, remember? Mm-hmm. Until they brought they, until they discovered Baker Mayfield. I mean, they had one year where they were preseason number five and they finished seven and five. Okay, so that was kind of the knock on them is they were better when expectations were lower. So that's why I have those two teams as my most likely to to continue this trend. Here's the other trend. The last three years, a team not in the preseason top ten of the AP poll made the college football playoff. Who do you think has the best chance of continuing that trend this year? Boy, that's a fun one. Um, This is going to sound like such a cop-out because they're number 11. I'll just go ahead and go Michigan State. Yeah, um, they like return just just because of all the talent they return, and as we've talked about numerous times, they have to have the injury bug go well for them this season. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll go ahead and take Michigan State. I'm going to play total homer here. I think it's Michigan. Uh, Michigan's talent level i think this is the best talented team on both sides of the ball in over a decade um and 
the last time Michigan was struck came off a four loss, five loss season and faced an impossible schedule and too many tough road games was 1997. And by the way, do you know what Michigan's preseason AP ranking was in 1997? Do you know? 14. 14. Exactly what uh, it is today. That. Yeah. Exactly what it is. I think it's my. I think I think Michigan is clearly the most talented team, and I think the in the in, not in the top ten. I think the NFL draft the next two years will bear that out. Uh, it's just a matter of whether they can put it together. But I think it's Michigan. I think they're they're you know, the team most likely we just not in the top about, ten to make it. We just talked about Michigan State and Michigan. Is there mm-hmm. anybody else that you would that uh, other than those two that you would feel has a decent chance at it? Because I'm looking I, at this list. I don't. I just don't. I I, I don't. Um, I'll, let me throw two others. If if it, let's say let's say Shea Patterson didn't transfer to Michigan. Let me look at it that way. Okay. If Shea Patterson didn't tra- transfer to Michigan, the three teams I probably would list would be Michigan State. But you already picked them. That's why I didn't take them. The other two I would look at are Notre Dame and West Virginia. And the reason why I would look at those two is Notre Dame has some very tough games, but I like the way they're spaced out. Uh, they do have to play at USC, but USC is going to probably have to play a freshman quarterback. They get Stanford at home. Um, they play at Virginia Tech, but Virginia Tech's had a terrible offseason. I think it's entirely – remember, we thought Notre Dame was doomed after they lost to Georgia at home last year, and they went in November number two in the AP – they were in the, in the college football playoff rankings mm-hmm. until that game against Miami. So I could see them losing to Michigan, or if they win that game, I could see them running – I could see them going 11-1. and one. I could. If they lose that game, I still don't think they'll be any worse than 9-3. and three. And then I look at West Virginia. We have seen the history of this league in the Big 12. If you have the best quarterback, you're usually the best team. This year, they clearly have the best quarterback. Um, And I like the way that their schedule sets up. They get Oklahoma at home at the end of the year. So those are the two teams that I would pick um, since you already took Michigan State. And I think Michigan's the most talented of all the teams not in the top 10. Looking at that top 25, do you think anybody is not deserving of being on there? Or people getting votes are? And I know we're, we're, we're splitting hairs. We haven't played any games yet. We're not, you know, curing diseases here. We're just talking sports. Well, you go back and you look at, my, at what I predicted at the beginning of the year, three teams that I said would be ranked that I didn't think would finish the year ranked. Okay, Um, and I I would look at I would look at I don't think um, LSU, uh, I don't think LSU will finish ranked. I don't they were on my list. I don't think Central Florida will finish ranked. They were on my list and I don't think Virginia Tech will finish ranked. Those three teams were teams, the three teams I predicted to be in the preseason AP poll that would not finish the season ranked. There we have it. There we have it. Let's have some uh, some fun with some um, Hawkeye football. You you did a little research, did a, put some questions together. We're going to play mm-hmm. a little Hawkeye true-false, and you're going to be asking me some questions. Yeah, so I put together 10 statements. You're going to give me true or false just to kind of, you know, because we're in that point in time where Fort Kinnick is on full lockdown. We'll get some information tonight on BTN. Uh, but other than that, you know, next week is game week. And so we're full into game week mode after this podcast. So I thought this was kind of our last chance to take the big picture season view before it starts to count. So I've got 10 true or false statements. And I'm not going to give any editorial comment. The editorial comment is in the statement. You're going to decide, John, if you think that statement is true or false and tell the audience why. You ready to go? Mm-hmm. Number one, Iowa will lose a game this season because of the drop-off at backup quarterback. 
I was thinking back to the last time Iowa had a quarterback significantly missed time. I think it was Ricky Stanzi. Um, my memory could be failing me. I'm talking about a couple of games, and that certainly cost them uh, the Northwestern game in 2009. I don't know that you can say it cost them the Ohio State game. That game was at the horseshoe. Um, this and Iowa played very well in that game. They did. They got very yeah. lucky. James Vandenberg got pretty lucky. But it's difficult to say. I, I think let, let's just say yes. Let's say that happens because I've been feeling more nine and three lately. But I'm just not going to change because of the the inexperience of the offensive line. So let's say that happens. I'll, I'll go true. All right, that's our first true. Because that can be Number a half of a game like it was for the Northwestern game. That was two yep. and a half quarters, and Iowa was up yep. 10 nothing. and had like 160 to 40-yard total advantage of total yards at that point in time. Well, it could be the first game. That Sutton Smith kid comes off the edge. All of a sudden, Nate Stanley's in concussion protocol for the rest of the game, and you're playing that very first game of the year with a bunch of guys at quarterback who haven't played a single snap of college football, right? So you're right. It doesn't have to be meaningful time. It could just be one hit in one game. And because of the concussion protocol safety rules in this era, you don't have Nathan Stanley the rest of the afternoon. Yes. Number two, Iowa will have a thousand yard rusher this season. True or false? False. I think Hmm. that um, they will have three running backs that go for over combined 2000 yards. But I don't think that they will have a 1,000-yard rusher because you look at the differences between Torin Young and Ivory Kelly Martin. I'm not saying Ivory Kelly Martin is Wadley or Torin Young is LaShun Daniels, but I think it's going to be like a Daniels-Wadley kind of a thing. And I guess those guys both did go over 1,000 yards that year. Um, But I I don't think it will happen. But I think you're going to have three very productive productive running backs in Young, Ivory Kelly Martin, and uh, Sargent. I, I think Sargent, I just keep seeing him in these photos from Iowa's practices. I, this guy is going to factor into the mix. So a good running game with three good running backs, but no one going over 1,000. Number three. So we have one true and one false so far. Iowa will finish in the top four in the Big Ten in rush defense. I'm going to say true, but with an asterisk. And that asterisk is Iowa has a very favorable schedule this year. And I think if they played in the uh, Eastern Division of the Big Ten, they wouldn't. I, I, you know, obviously Wisconsin could roll that number up a little higher, but Minnesota doesn't necessarily frighten me from a running game. Uh, Illinois doesn't. Um, I, I don't know that Indiana does. Purdue, not necessarily, or Maryland rather, and Indiana, they, they don't. So I, I just think it's going to be a combination of who they play. Although, you know, Wisconsin's there, Iowa State has a very good running back. So, but I'll say no. I'll say, or I'm saying, I think it's true, but only because of the schedule they play. That's a good point about the East-West because if take away Jonathan, if you did like just an all-division team at running back, mm-hmm. Jonathan Taylor obviously is on the West team. Would Ty, if if Maryland was in the West, would Ty Johnson at Maryland be the other back heading into the year? He's rushed for a thousand yards in the Big Ten before. Well, heading you into the year, the yeah, heading into the year because there's there's really at this point in time, you know, with this particular year, there's yeah. nobody there's nobody in the West that's done it yet. Yep, yep. Okay, so we've got two true and a false so far. Number four, Iowa will continue its trend of upsetting highly ranked teams at home by beating Wisconsin at Kinnick Stadium. Well, I, I picked Wisconsin to win that game, so I'll say false. But man, this is a trendy little pick this year that I've seen. 
Um, you know, I read Pat Hardy's uh, item today where he picked Iowa to actually lose to Iowa State but beat Wisconsin. I've seen a number of people calling for this one. Um, I so Pat Hardy predicted this to be a typical Kirk Ferentz season. That's yes. happened a lot. Yes. Lose to Iowa. I mean, you had the stat about, or was it you or Rob Howe that had the stat last week that the Iowa game, Iowa State game, is a that game, the Seahawks game is a much bigger barometer for the Cyclones. Well, than it traditionally than Iowa, it really tells us nothing about what kind of season Iowa will have. Nothing. Well, I mean, Kirk Ferentz is ten and nine. Against then this was me. Kirk Ferentz is ten and nine against Iowa State. In the ten years that Iowa has beaten Iowa State, the Hawkeyes have won at least eight games in nine of those seasons. Five of those nine resulted in double-digit wins for Iowa. So I'm not sure how that doesn't tell you anything about it. I'm just saying that it. So in Kirk Ferentz's ten wins against Iowa, half of those years that he's beaten Iowa State, Iowa's won ten or more games. Maybe I must have read the stat wrong then, because I thought that the, the nine losses didn't really have a huge drop off in the well, average number. Well, let of wins. me go through the nine losses. Um, I okay, and I'm going to go from the the most recent to the oldest and give you Iowa's record. 2014, Iowa seven and six. 2012, Iowa four and eight. 2011, Iowa seven and six. 2007, Iowa six and six. 2005, Iowa seven and five. The, okay. Uh, 2001, seven and five. 2003 and nine. 1999, one and ten. The only exception. It's 2002. 2002. So yeah. I think it actually is a, an incredible barometer game for okay, Iowa. Okay, my bad. I, reading is fundamental, kids. That's okay. And I clearly read that tweet wrong, so thank you for Well, the, the fact that you read it wrong and even brought it up allowed us to talk about it and underscore how much of a valuable thing it is. So thanks for being a device. Um, I love the way that schedule sets up for Iowa because Wisconsin, I, BYU can't possibly be worse than they were last year. Just historically, they're the worst team in 70 years. Way too much tradition and everything else there. They're going to be better. But even if they're better, that is in Madison. Wisconsin's not playing anybody with a pulse. And then all of a sudden, they're going on the road probably at night against Iowa. And Iowa would have already played maybe the best team in the MAC, uh, maybe the best Iowa State team they've played in seven, eight, nine, ten years. I don't know. I like the way that that schedule situation sets I, up for the Hawkeyes. I, part of me almost feels like Iowa has a better chance of beating Penn State and Happy Valley, hmm. but which is dumb to say. But I just think that you know, obviously the Wisconsin game, phone booth football, and Iowa typically does well there. Man, last year felt like an absolute ambush, and Iowa has yet to solve the Wisconsin three-four riddle. Yeah. And, well, you're not alone. You're, and, not, you're not alone. I know that. <laughs> They've been like top four in the country in total defense yep. the last four or five years. But I don't know that Iowa has the type of offensive line that it's going to take to go and, and go blow for blow. Maybe it's maybe it's Iowa's three tight end formation that keeps Wisconsin and other teams in base defenses, and you just go out there and you run those talented tight ends who can run and catch and block. Maybe that's it. But I, I just maybe I've got maybe I've gone and I've got too much respect for Wisconsin now. Maybe it's too much fear. But um, speaking of Wisconsin, I, well, maybe we will probably talk about that in the next podcast. So let's yeah, go we'll ahead. get into that we'll on the bigger ten podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go on to number. All right, five. so we're, so so we're two and two so far. True, false. Number five at Penn State is the only road game Iowa will lose this season. Hmm. Well, most of the games that they have that are challenging are at home, with the exception. Of Penn State, the Purdue game uh, spooks me a little bit. 
But I would say that the statistical probabilities, I'll go true. I'll go true um, just purely on statistics. All what right. do you think? What do you think? Um, I think that's highly likely. I mean, the other ones are Minnesota, Indiana, Illinois. Um, Purdue. and I, Purdue, which is a big revenge game from a year ago. I, I think that I think if Iowa is any worse than three and two against that road schedule, mm-hmm. and I don't care, I I don't care if Ugly Kid Joe's the quarterback. Fire everybody. That's what <laughs> I think. Kid Joe. Okay. Where did you pull that from? Have you made an know. Ugly Kid Joe reference recently, or did you listen <laughs> to him on the I, way to work today? I have I have no idea. Maybe I was just looking at my own uh, Skype image and yeah. that okay. came to mind. I don't okay. know. Um, number six, including the bowl game. Nathan Stanley this season will pass Ricky Stanzi for number three all time in touchdown passes at Iowa, meaning he would need to throw 31, which would also shatter Chuck Long's single season record. We're going to come up, I think, with a string of pretty easy falses for me. This would be the okay. first of them. I, okay. to, to go from all time record that stood since 1985 of 27 to throwing 31. I just think the statistical probabilities of that are very, very low. I actually don't think that Stanley's touchdown-to-interception ratio this year will be as good as it was last year, and that's not going to bring up this mythical Iowa quarterback regression after their indoctrinated season. That's that's my talking point that I have talked about for 10 years. And I think it's – and I can just destroy it. I actually did a whole podcast by myself last year that destroyed it. (laughs) I know you didn't listen to it. Uh, So – I just, I just don't like it. But you're not alone. You're not alone. There are other people out there that believe it. So I'm going to say false on that. But even though his st- – I would like to see him have like 24, 25 touchdowns, you know, 7, 8. Just because he's going more vertical down the field, taking more risks, I don't mind long interceptions. As long as, you know, you're not taking yourself out of the game by doing it. You just need – I want to see him take more chances down the field. Last year – was a byproduct, I think, a lot of a guy, you know, Iowa scored a lot of those touchdowns from within the red zone. I want to see more touchdowns from 30 to 40 yards out because when Iowa's offense gets in the red zone, obviously every offense is compressed. It just seems like Iowa's is more so, and they've got two plays in the playbook. All right, so we're 3-3 on true falls. Number seven, Noah Fant will surpass Marv Cook's single-season record for receptions by a tight end when Cook had 63 in 1988. I mean, Cook was a marked man. I think Robert Smith might have been there with him that year, if my memory serves. 63 is a lot of catches for a tight end. Um, so in so in 13 games, if they don't make the Big Ten championship game, you count a bowl game. In 13 games, you would basically have to average five catches a game. That's not happening. False. I, I mean, okay. I, I'd love it to happen. Is he capable? Sure. Are teams going to scheme him? Absolutely. Is he going to have some value as a decoy with an Amir Smith march set over the top and a pretty darn good tight end, uh, you know, TJ on the other side? Yeah. I, I just don't see 60. I think if he has 63, I don't know that that's good for Iowa. It's almost mm. like a quarterback passing 40 times a game. I hear you. I hear you. Okay. So four to three, false over true. Number eight, going back to Noah Fant. Noah Fant will break Marvin McNutt's single-season touchdown reception at record at Iowa, which means he needs two more, 13, than last year's 11. False. I, I, I hate these things because I'm just doing it purely on probabilities. All okay. right? But, but I like this one more than I like the 63. I like the chances for this one more than the 63. 
because you do get down to that 35-yard line. Remember that big freaking rain-making throw that that Stanley threw last year to Fant against Minnesota on that crosser down the middle? Man, if Iowa is able to have their two or maybe two tight end package with a running back and then what three receivers we're talking about? So that's that's three, four, five, six. Yeah, no, that's probably too many. But anyway, two tight ends on the field. So you keep the other team's base defense on the field all the time. And I think Iowa's offense this year has a chance to do that more than they have had in a long time. When you do that, you're going to create mismatches for Noah Fant from that 35, 40 yards out that he's going to get one-on-one coverage in a seam or a crosser. So, yeah, I think there's a better chance of that, but I'd still go false. All right, false, five to three. Two more left. Number nine, for the first time since Adrian Claiborne in 2009, a Hawkeye will finish the season with double-digit sacks. I'm going to go true on this. I'm going to change my mind, not because I'm trying to balance things out and add intrigue to the tiebreaker of the last question or something like that, but Anthony Nelson is a lot better than even I give him credit for. He's got a really, he is a big man, but he's lithe. He is angular, as you know, we used to talk about with uh, Harold Carmichael back in the day in Philadelphia Eagles. He is, he is somebody that I think can wreak havoc. And the problem is, in the past for Iowa, you've typically, when you've had, you can have a guy like that, but he's the only guy on your line. Well, what made Adrian Claiborne so devastating in 2009? Well, what are you going to do about Christian Ballard? We're going to need, what are you going to do with the other guys in that line with you? And that's what I think Iowa has this year. You know, you don't want to sleep on Parker Hess. You don't want to sleep on AJ Epinesa. There's a number of good pass rushers. Nelson's a great pass rusher, I think. So I'm going to go get true. All right. So five to four, false over true with one left, number ten. Iowa will finish no lower than second in the Big Ten West. I'm going to say true. Although I will add, and we'll talk about this more in the next podcast, in the Bigger Ten podcast. I'm not saying that Nebraska's scaring me to be like a threat in the, the league this year. But my, I believe my greatest fears of the Scott Frost hiring are likely going to come true. And that he is going to turn that program around, probably not this year. But they'll be more competitive this year. They'll look more physical this year, which, as we all know, was the thing that's been missing from Nebraska football for the last six, seven years. They just have not been consistently physical in the trenches. I think you're going to see them take great strides along those lines this year. But I do think Iowa will finish no lower than second. I don't think that Northwestern is going to have the type of season that a lot of other people are thinking, especially considering they, what, 28th and receiving votes in the AP. I don't see mm-hmm. it. So that's 5-5. Five, five. There you go. Did right. I come up with good statements, do you think? Or yeah, so? well, I mean, if they're balanced at 5-5, five, five, I'd say that's pretty good. You know, and even if it was 10 nothing, it's fun to talk about. Um, but those, no, that was a lot of fun. All right. Next up for our podcasting schedule this week will be the Bigger 10 podcast. And a, a lot to delve into. The bigger the Big Ten um, tailgate tour has been on the road. Steve has a lot of comments. I think that, Steve, is, have they finished up in the East and they moved on to the West, right? Yep. This podcast, we're going to do the East. They're all done with the East. They're in the middle of the West. So we'll talk about that next week. All right. Sounds good. For Steve, I'm John. We'll talk to you soon.